0: You know my name is Andrew, I'm part of the team here at C3 and I really want to give you a really warm welcome. This is the the second week really in our carol series entitled, Oh What Wonder, we're building up to Christmas. Isn't it great that we're building up to Christmas? And this morning I want to talk to you about the carol that we just sang. It was a carol that was written by a man by the name of Charles Wesley. He was the youngest of 18 children. 18 children, if you heard me correctly. And in his lifetime, he wrote over six and a half thousand hymns. He was almost, therefore, as busy as his father was. You know, one of the beautiful things I like about that hymn that we just re- that we just sang, and sometimes we can think of carols not being a hymn. That was a beautiful hymn. That was a beautiful hymn. One of the things I like about this carol was this: it's an invitational carol. It says, "Come, join the triumph of the skies with angelic horse, proclaim that Jesus Christ." is born in Bethlehem. In other words, it's an invite invite for us to join with all the angels singing in the heavenly realms proclaiming that that day, 2,000 years ago plus now, a king was born in Bethlehem. That that baby was in fact the saviour of the world. That that baby came to reconcile God and man together. That that baby was the Lord, the everlasting one. That that baby was the Godhead veiled in flesh. That that baby was Emmanuel, God with us. That that baby came so that man no longer need to die, but can spend eternity with Christ Jesus in heaven. That's the Christmas message. In fact, I believe that that's the Christian message. It really is. If you strip out any of that, then we have no message at all. For I praise God, that when Jesus came, he didn't just remain a baby in a manger. He came and died on the cross for us. And because of that, he fulfilled all those characteristics that I've just uh, mentioned to you this morning. Someone once said this, Jesus came wrapped as a present at Christmas, but the present was only fully unwrapped at the cross. And I believe that. You wanna see love, look to the cross. You you wanna see forgiveness, you look to the cross. You want to see power, look to the cross. This carol is an invitational carol. It actually invites us to make Jesus our own personal saviour. It invites us to make Jesus Lord of our life. It invites us to make Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And I don't know about yourself, but that's a great invitation. And I think because it's such a great invitation, it's worthwhile, I think, spending some time unpicking it. What is this invitation all about? So firstly, just want us to consider the um, messengers the emissaries of this message. Who was the one that brought this invitation to come and join um, the triumph in the heavens? Who was it that actually sort of brought the message? It was angels. Do you listen? I believe in angels, that's an Abba song, isn't it? That's the only line of of, of that song that probably makes any sense. I believe in angels. I really do, I believe in angels. Angels are real. But I wanna say this to you, I don't worship angels. I don't worship angels. I worship Jesus Christ the Lord of all, who's given me everything for life and godliness, including angels. But I don't actually worship angels as some people do. Some people see angels as little chubby, red-cheeked children who are always kind of naked. I don't know why that happens, They're always naked. And all their private parts were sort of, you know, <laughs> subtly hidden by clouds whilst they play the harp, you know. But I also don't believe that in angels of being mighty beings with wings on their back demanding worship, I don't believe that either. See, the Bible is very clear about angels. Angels are created beings. They're created by God to serve him in heaven and serve mankind on earth. In heaven, they're offering up praise and they worship in the King of kings and the Lord of lords and on earth. Do you know what they're doing? They're ministering to us under the authority and the headship of Jesus Christ himself. Hebrews 11 says this, uh, sorry, Hebrews 1.14 says this, Are not all angels ministering, saints, uh, ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Now, who's going to inherit salvation? The angels weren't going to inherit salvation, were they? We are the inheritors of our salvation. These ministering spirits are sent by God to minister to us, his people, those who will inherit salvation. Let me share a story with you. Um, it's a story about the time I went to Romania. Um, in fact, I've been, I went there two times before this one, so this is my third journey. I went to, uh, on a mission trip, and uh, we knew exactly where we were going. We were going back to a pastor's house, uh, and the pastor was called Pastor Florin. We called him To Bob for obvious reasons. So we called him Pastor Tubob, and um, we knew exactly where he, where he lived. But when we arrived in Romania, it was really dark and late at night, we just got all our times confused and we got lost a few times. And So we arrived in Romania and it was really, really dark. Now, uh, we decided that we would just keep on going and eventually we think that we would have actually got there, but I've got a terrible sense of direction. Uh, my daughter Rhiannon has actually inherited that, by the way. Just want to tell you that. It's in her DNA now. Um, she can't help herself, you know, but we got, we got to hopelessly lost and it was a dangerous place at that time to be lost because it was just after the fall of Ceausescu and the actual sort of uh, political climate was really sort of unsettled and it's To get anywhere and to get anything done, you had to bribe people, you know? It's that kind of sort of scenario. And it was a dangerous place to be lost. We had a big white van with a GB sticker on the back. It was pretty obvious that we were on a mission trip. And actually, a couple of weeks before we went out, uh, another convoy had actually gone to Romania before us, and they were hijacked. And, And the drivers and the helpers were beaten up. And not only did they take the goods out of the van, but they took the van itself and left them there and left the missionaries there. It's a dangerous place to be. So we didn't like the idea of actually kind of camping out at at night in this van. We were really sort of easy targets. And uh, then all of a sudden, a man who was quite smartly dressed, and that was quite unusual because we were in a rural part of of, uh, Romania, and it was quite a poor place. But this man uh, in his mid-30s, who was quite smartly dressed, walked past uh, past our van. It must have been about one o'clock in the morning. I mean, who's up at one o'clock in the morning, smartly dressed? Anyway, we sort, of wrapped, we sort of rolled down the window. We didn't have electric windows in those days, guys. You know, we rolled down the windows <laughs> and uh, we, we said to him, look, you know, do you know where Pastor Tubal, well, we called him Pastor Florian, um, lives? This is his address. He said, well, actually, you're about 60 miles away from where you need to be. But I can take you to my pastor um, um, and uh, you, 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 he'll sort it all out for you. He only lives four or five miles away. We we're a bit suspicious of this guy because not only he was smart, he was speaking perfect English. And we thought, this is just, you know, too much. We were quite suspicious, but anyway, we were desperate, so we jumped in the front of the van. And he took us, thankfully, to the pastor's house. He's a Baptist minister. And the Baptist uh, minister said to us, well, look, yeah, I I know Pastor Florin. Um, You are a long way away from his house. I'll give him a ring, and tomorrow I will take you there myself, and you can just follow me in the van. But in the meantime, you better lock your van in the compound because it's quite a dangerous place to be. We went immediately back to the car, uh, to the van. It was only a couple of minutes after we'd knocked the door and had this conversation with Pastor Florin. And uh, we went immediately back to the van because we really wanted to bless this guy. I mean, he'd been fantastic. He saved our bacon, you know. Uh, uh, we, we, and we had some great stuff in the back, I tell you. You know, and we were gonna really, you know, bless this guy super abundantly. It disappeared. We couldn't find him. He was, he was just gone now he was at least five or six miles from where we, you know we picked him up and it was sort of by then it was about half past one in the morning and we thought where on earth has he gone we're out in the wilds out in the sticks out in the villages in, in Romania where could he have gone I went back in to um, Pastor Florian, and I said, uh, uh, the pastor there, uh, the Baptist pastor, and I said, Listen, there's a young, smartly dressed guy uh, that's in your congregation. Could you give him this, this parcel? He said, well, He really blessed us. And he said, Well, what's his name? I said, You know what? <laughs> I didn't ask his name. <laughs> and uh, he said, Well, describe him to me. I said, Well, he's, you know, late 30s, smartly dressed, speaks perfect English. He said, Listen, Andrew, this is a rural church. No one dresses smart, and no one in my congregation speaks perfect English, only my wife. And I thought, was he an angel? Was he an angel? I would like to think he was. I like to think he was an angel. I really do. In fact, the end of this story is amazing because the pastor's wife, that Baptist minister's wife, was a dentist. And uh, she had a real dream of actually setting up a dental practice in the church where they were. And uh, the problem was that she didn't have a chair, the lights, you know, the lights that you have and a dentist and all the kind of equipment. She didn't have any of that. But before we set off, uh, there's a guy in our old church. His name was Carl Willis. He was an orthodontist and he worked for a hospital. I think he might have been working at Addenbrook's at the time, I don't know. But actually, he said to me, I can get a big dentist chair and a light and all the equipment. I said, well, we'll take it with us, but we haven't got a clue what we're gonna do with it. And in the back of the van, was this dentist chair, the lights and, and, and all the kind of things that you need to become a dentist. Now I want to tell you, was this guy an angel? I think he probably was. Hebrews 13, verse two says, theres some event entertained angels unaware. Listen, angels guided people like Joseph away from the uh, evil designs of Herod when Herod wanted to kill Jesus. You know, angels kept Daniel safe in the lion's den. Angels strengthened and ministered to Jesus after his time of temptation in the wilderness. It says there in Matthew 4 that the devil left him and then angels came and attended to him. Billy Graham said this, One of the most comforting truths in all the Bible to me as I travel from one part of the world to another is to know that God has stationed his heavenly guards to protect, guide, and lead me through life's dangerous ways. Isn't it good to know that we have God-created beings purposed by God in the heavenly realms to do us good? And I want to tell you, they are more numerous and more powerful than any that the enemy has at his disposal. We are destined for victory. Can I say this as well? You know, Jesus, God himself, can make as many archangels as he wants. The enemy can create anything. He's a created being. But God can create anything. He can create myriads and myriads and myriads and myriads, millions and millions and trillions and trillions of archangels anytime he wants to. I want to tell you, friends, we're on the winning side. Never fear the demonic because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But I want to draw your attention this morning uh, to the fact that these angelic beings were in fact fitting emissaries to, to carry the message of a newborn king. Now just think of this for a moment. These angels had seen the king in glory. He knew where, they knew where the king had come from. They knew who he was. He knew, uh, they knew that he was Christ, the Son of God, the second person in in the Trinity. They knew who he was. Do you know what? They were present when he created the universe. Can you imagine that? They witnessed the power that was required for trillions upon trillions of tons of matter to come together. And then God to sort of throw the stars into the universe. They were there. They knew how great and awesome this child was. That's that's why they they knew that this was no ordinary baby. That's why they knew that he had come from the Father. That he was deity itself, and yet he came as a baby. They couldn't understand it fully because angels, it says later on in Hebrews, you know, long to look into this. Because the salvation was not for angels, the salvation was there for men. But the wonderful thing was this. They weren't singing, they weren't singing on that countryside, you know, to those shepherds. They weren't singing about the creative power of God. What they were singing about was God's divine stoop, his condescension, the fact that Jesus himself left heaven and came to earth for us. That's what they were singing about. That's what they were singing about. That Jesus left heaven, became a man, and he died on the cross for us. That's what they were singing about. You know, I tell you what, friends, the, the, the whole purpose of, of, of the angels singing was not to draw attention to themselves, but it was to draw attention to the message. The message that Jesus has come to save the world. The coming of the king was not for angels, it was for us. Secondly, let me sort of notice this about the invitation. The invitation the recipients. Who received these messages? Who received this message? Who received this invite? Most carols, and this one is is, is similar, is all based on Luke 2. Most carols are based on Luke 2. Some very loosely, but this one very much based on Luke 2. That's when the angels came and sang to the shepherds who were living with their flocks in the field. It always amazes me that this great angelic host, probably thousands upon thousands of angels, came and actually started to sing about the coming king to a few little unknown shepherds on on a hillside somewhere. God put all that together just for a few shepherds. Now, I don't know about you, um, but if I did it, if I was gonna plan the coming of the king, I don't think I would have planned it that way. For a start, I wouldn't have come as a little baby. I would have come as a fully grown man with a body something similar to Arnold Schwarzenegger, only, <laughs> only bigger, only bigger, okay? I'd be riding on a white horse and behind me I'd have legions and legions of archangels all clad like the people from Lord of the Rings, something <laughs> like that, you know? That's the way I would have come. And I would have broken in into the scene of time. I tell you what, it wouldn't have been on a Welsh mountain somewhere with a few sheep and a few, you know, I say that because already I've had one or two things about sheep and Welsh men, right? But, so I wouldn't have actually come that way. I tell you how he would have come. I would have come in such a way that sort of the world would know I was coming. I would have broken into the discussions between Putin and Trump or perhaps perhaps the G7 or, or really to bring it right up to date I would have probably ended up sort of breaking into the Brexit negotiations and coming out with a deal that satisfied everyone now that would be a miracle wouldn't it? that would be a miracle that's how I would have done it but Jesus didn't do it that way he came as a baby and he announced himself to a few shepherds I just wonder what the angels thought if I were one of the angels I would have thought oh hang on This is a bit rubbish. I mean, we've been practicing from eternity. There's several thousands of us up here declaring the wonder of God that Jesus is coming to a few measly old shepherds on the side of a a mountainside. You know, this is rubbish. I I, I don't know how God's going to recover from such a poor start as this. Perhaps God needed a decent PR man. I, I don't know. But I tell you what, God knew what he was doing, friends. God knew what he was doing. Listen, in coming to the shepherds, Jesus was emphasizing that this invitation to proclaim him as Savior and Lord was open to all. That there was no limits, it was an open invitation. It was not just for the rich, it was not just for the powerful, it was not just for the religious, but it's for everyone. It was for everyone. This was an inclusive invitation to everyone to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of their lives. Do you wanna tell you God has no favorites? And that's a message I think for some people here this morning. God has no favorites. He loves you just like me. And He loves you just like her. And He loves her just like him. God has no favorites. He really hasn't. Do you know, the Bible says this, and it struck me only this week when I was reading the fresh Luke 2. It says, the shepherds were living, living with their sheep on the mountainside. That means that they didn't go back and forth every day to have a shower. It didn't mean that. It meant that they were living with the sheep. On the, on the hillside I wonder what their state of hygiene was like I suspect it wasn't that much different from the sheep that they were looking after I reckon it was probably the same and then I had this thought perhaps one of the reasons that the stable was chosen as the birthplace of Jesus Christ was that Jesus had the shepherds in mind that's a nice thought isn't it perhaps they had the, sh- he had the shepherds in mind see if they came to the stable they wouldn't feel ill at ease would they They were the same state as the sheep. They weren't overdressed or underdressed or underwashed. No, they would have walked into that stable and felt instantly at home. Instantly at home, not out of place. Do you know when you come to Jesus, you'll never feel out of place. You'll always feel as if you've come home. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. Do you know, the shepherds were the lowest of all professions. Do you know, their testimony didn't even stand up as testimony in court. They, they just wouldn't accept the testimony of, 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 the, of these shepherds. And yet the whole of the angelic host was set up just for them. That's the value that Jesus placed on a few shepherds. That's the value that Jesus placed on a few shepherds. No one is outside the love and the reach of Christ Jesus. No one is beyond his love. No one is beyond his care. No one is beyond his attention. Do you know... The word of God is quite clear. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one perfect person that walked on planet Earth. I've never had to convince someone that they have sinned either in word, thought, or deed. You know, every one of us, uh, you know, recognize that we are sinner by nature and we are sinner by practice as well. And God loves us so much that he sent his son for us. That's the reach of Jesus. That's the love of Jesus. Every single soul is of infinite value to Jesus because Jesus wants a relationship with every single soul. That's why he came, to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And so he sent a lot of angels to announce that he was coming as a baby. And he says, listen, this is the invitation. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. No one need to miss out this morning. No one need to miss out. Let's have a look. At the subject of this invitation. Now, I believe that the main subject of the invitation, and I think the main subject of Christmas, of course, is the incarnation. It's Jesus becoming man and walking on this earth. But I love the word that that um, hymn that we sang just now starts. It says, Hark, Hark, the herald angels sing. Hark. It's a lovely word, an old fashioned word. You don't hear it now, do you? When's the last someone c- c- came up to you and said, Hark? <laughs> Sounds such a posh word, isn't it? Hark. Even out of a Welshman, it sounds posh word. Hark. Hark. I don't know why, initially, sort of, um, Wesley actually sort of in, uh, included that word in his hymn. It actually means to pay attention, to listen up and take notice. Now, I think if I was a shepherd on a hillside and suddenly thousands of angels came up and started declaring that the Saviour is born in Bethlehem, I think they would have already had my attention. I don't think, you know, they would have to say, Hark. you know. And I wondered why Charles Wesley actually put that word hark in. And I want to perhaps make a little suggestion. Perhaps he inserted that word hark because he wanted to stress that the message that the actual angels were carrying were more important than the angels themselves. Despite the fact they were mighty beings, the messengers, as they were, the message was of greater importance. So he said, hark, listen up. Hark, listen up. These angels were on a mission to make Jesus famous, not themselves. They wanted to say to the world that this is a baby who's going to save the world. That this, is, this baby is Emmanuel, God with us. Do you know, it's easy, isn't it, uh, not to hear a message. You can listen, but not hear. My wife, Amanda, thinks I've actually got this down to a fine art. You know? Um, but you know, it reminds me of a story that I read about... Um, the world, in World War II um, there was an advert for some Morse code operators and uh, an advert went out and six people applied and they were shortlisted and, and they, were, they were invited to uh, the ministry where they were going to actually have an interview um, they came and uh, the man from the ministry so to speak said to them look if you can wait here, wait in this public area and we'll call you and then we'll make the decision at the end of the day after a while one of the six got up and just disappeared. And so there were five left and five thought, oh, great, I've now got a a 20% chance of actually getting this job as a a most code operator. Then suddenly the man from the ministry came back again and said, oh, I'm sorry, gentlemen, the vacancy was full. full. Uh, You can go home, we'll pay you expenses, but you, you can go home. Well, hang on, you said that you will call us. And he said this, he said, we did, we called you by name. We actually called you over the PA system in Morse code, but you weren't listening, except for the one that got the job. Do you know, we can actually come to church and not hear the message. We can come to church and enjoy family. We can come to church and enjoy friends. But sometimes we don't even engage with Christ Jesus. Come to church and enjoy the community and miss Christ. Sometimes we can come to church and love each other but not fall in love with Jesus. And yet Jesus came to save you. The church didn't save you. Jesus saved you. Your friends didn't save you. Jesus saved you. We need to be a people who listen to the message. We really need to be a people that listen to the message. Do you know, it's easy to discount the message because the messenger is not what you you expect. We have people on this platform that wear hats. We have people on this platform that wear skinny jeans and they're torn all over the place. And you have people on this platform who are receding and an older geezer. But I tell you what, I'm getting very trendy now, aren't I, with these new glasses, okay? I shouldn't do that really, should I? But you know, every person that stands on this platform, I believe has something to say, all we have to do is listen. Listen carefully to the message. What was the message of the angels? What was the message? It wasn't, listen, buck your ideas up. Or, you know, obey a new set of principles or rules or you know Listen, I'm going to just add a few more regulations and rituals to the law so you can get yourself in shape, no, it's about a person and that person was Jesus Christ and in particular it was about his incarnation it was the fact that Jesus had come as, uh, on this planet earth to be a man and die for us on the cross that was, that was the message, it was the incarnation the second stanza of that beautiful hymn that we sang says this, the offspring of a virgin's womb That's what Jesus was, the offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. It was about a young virgin, a young teenage girl who became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit with the Son of God. It was about God Himself contracting Himself, becoming an embryo, and de- being totally dependent on this young teenager for His life. That which was created uh, became absolutely depend. Uh, the, that the Creator became absolutely dependent upon the one that He had created. That's what this story was about. It was about the Son of God taking on the form of humanity. It's about Jesus becoming fully human and yet remaining fully God. It's about meekness and majesty, manhood and deity, living in perfect harmony in one body. And that's the body of Jesus Christ, the God-man. That's what Christmas is about. That's what the Christian message is all about. That's the incarnation. Let me just highlight a few things regarding this. incarnation these are life-changing things if we just listen first of all i want to say this the incarnation is like a mirror have you ever wondered what god looked like the bible says god is spirit so what does spirit look like what does god look like it's a great question the disciple philip actually asked the same question he asked the same question in john 14. listen to what was was happening there philip said this lord show us the father and that will be enough for us jesus answered don't you know me philip Even after I've been with you for such a long time, anyone who has seen the Father, uh, sorry, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Elsewhere, Jesus says this, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. In other words, if you want to know what God looks like, you need to look to Jesus. Do you know, we went on holiday Not so long ago, we went to uh, Worcester Cathedral. It's an amazing place, awe-inspiring architecture. Massive perpendicular pillars. And on the top, on the ceiling, there were uh, great pictures, but we couldn't make them out totally because they were so high up. We had to guess what they were saying, guess what was being sort of enacted in them. And yet, further down the aisle, they had this mirror and it was sort of pointed up towards the ceiling and suddenly everything on the ceiling was magnified in this mirror. We could see the detail. We knew exactly what was happening up above. We could understand what was going on. We could understand from their faces and what they were trying to to portray, you know. We could see it in detail. Jesus coming was just like that mirror. Jesus takes the guesswork out of who God is. Jesus takes the guesswork out. He makes it clear. The heart of God, the purpose of God, the character of God. Do you know, he clears up any misconceptions that you and I might have of God. Some people have a misconception of God. Sometimes, you know, people see God as that critical authoritarian parent just waiting for you to do something wrong so he can come down and give you a good slap across the the bottom, okay? But he's not like that, he's not like that. No, Jesus shows us that God is for us, not against us. That's what he shows us, that God cares for us enough to send his only begotten son. God loves us so much that we can truly describe Him as a Father God. Do you know what I like about Jesus is this, and just like any other father, He gives us what we need and not what we want. Someone once said this, if our greatest need had been for information, then God the Father would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, then God the Father would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been for money, then God the Father would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, then God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God the Father sent us his saviour. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we have. What a mighty God we have. Do you know, the incarnation is all about Jesus becoming man experientially he knew what it was like to laugh and he knew what it was like to sorrow he knew what it was like to enjoy people's company you also knew what it's like to live in isolation and rejection you can say many things about Jesus but one thing you can never say is that he doesn't understand you or he doesn't get you because he became a man just like you and I he grew up from a child to a toddler from a toddler to a teenager from a teenager to a young adult and into a mature 30 year old He understands the walk that we've walked. He understands sometimes that we go through deep despair. He went through deep despair himself. Can you remember on the cross, he said, my God, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? It's one of the, 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 the cries that always hit me, that the perfect was dying in our place, you know, carrying our sin. God couldn't even look upon the sin that he was carrying. And at that moment, that's the first time ever in the whole of time, from eternity to eternity uh, in the future, the only time that God ever turned his head away from his son Jesus. He knows what it's like to be in despair, guys. We can never say that Jesus doesn't understand us. Listen, secondly this, Jesus is our example. Jesus walked on this earth, and his talk and his walk was perfect, and in doing so he lifted what we understood true humanity could be. Accomplish. He lifted it. He actually demonstrated what it was meant to live a life before sin and selfishness got a hold of us. But more importantly than that, he showed us what we can become when we invite him into our life. If you want to emulate a hero, how about emulating uh, Jesus Christ? What an example he set. Listen, as a Christian, I'm looking forward to heaven, but I want to enjoy my time on earth as well. You know, Christianity is not just about something in eternity, it's something about now. And Jesus walked a life of peace, of joy, of contentment, and fulfillment. I don't know about yourself, I want to walk like that. Jesus not only set the example, but he said, listen, I'm going to show you how to do it, but I'm also going to come in and give you the power to do it. I don't know about yourself, but that's something to, to rejoicing, isn't it? That he can lift our human standard and in fact I don't think we can become fully human until we invite Christ into our lives he has come to give us life and life abundantly the word life there is zoe it means overflowing life a Christ-like life a, 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 a life that is in its essence similar to that which Jesus had when he walked on planet earth that's ours, you know as we as we invite him into our life and become our savior finally under this heading I wanna mention this, presence. I believe that the incarnation speaks of God's presence. Isn't that what the, the, the hymn writer said? "Please with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means this, God with us, God with us. God doesn't sort of save us and then leave us to our own power and our own devices. No, he does life with us. Aren't you glad that Jesus does life with us? You know, and left to my own devices, it would be awful. You know, I haven't got a very intelligent mind. I have got a fantastic physique. You know, I, I, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be struggling without my Jesus helping me through this life on earth. I really would. I don't know why people choose to do life without Jesus when they have a choice to do life with Jesus. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Do you know, when I first became a Christian, I was taught something along these lines. Um, it was quite a sort of legalistic church looking back, but it didn't seem that way at the time. I was told this, Andrew, if you go into a nightclub, place is a den of iniquity, okay? If you go into a, light, uh, in a nightclub, what will happen was this, Jesus will allow you to go in, but he won't go in with you. What a load of tosh. The thing is, I believed it at a time. I never went to a, a, a nightclub after that. Uh, you know, sort of, what a Lord of toss. The Bible says that he sticks closer to me and to you than a brother. His, his words and promises to us is that he'll never leave us or for us. yes. Do you think a nightclub is going to put him off? No. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. But the wonderful thing is this. He's promised to be with us. And that's why the psalmist could say this. Even though I walk to the darkest of valleys, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. What amazing thing to say. Because you are with me. Look, you might be going through a very dark time at this point in time in your life. But God is able to bring comfort and strength to you as you invite him to walk alongside you on this planet. He he is able and he's willing. He is the source of all things. He is the sustainer of all. He has all the power and all the love necessary to make your life a life of fullness and joy and peace and contentment. Let me say this. If you're going through a difficulty this morning, I want to say this. Jesus will do one of two things. He will either deliver you from the situation or he will go through the situation with you. One thing he will never, ever, never, ever ever do is this abandon you in your problems and in your difficulties it's out of character with such a loving father do you feel like an outsider sometimes perhaps just like the shepherds on the side of the mountain you know they were probably out of out of sight and out of mind they've probably felt total outcasts and it's easy to be lonely in our world isn't it you can be lonely in a group you can be lonely in a crowd you can lonely even in your family You can feel lost in the sheer complexity of, of life and the demands that seemingly sort of are endless these days and you can be so easily lost in that situation and feel like an outsider as if everything is kind of going on around you but you're not influencing it, you're not in it. It's just happening outside you and you feel an outsider. I want to tell you in Christ you have an insider. In Christ you have someone who's come and he's living and wants to live inside you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You don't need to do life as an outsider because you've got the insider inside you. That's the promise of Christmas. You heard him right now, can I just say, God has not left you. God has not left you. God is with you. I love that little phrase in that song it says, uh, in that hymn it says, please to dwell with us. God is pleased to dwell, dwell with us. Listen, this is not sort of Jesus coming through gritted teeth to live his life and his power out in our lives. He's pleased to do that. He left heaven. He wasn't booted out. He wasn't kicked out. He wasn't sort of persuaded. He stepped out and was willing to go to the cross for you and I. And he's willingly wants to do this life with you and I together. That's the Savior. That's why we can say, oh, what wonder. Finally, can I just say this and I'll finish with this. One specific blessing that, that that him mentions is this, the blessing of peace to all those who actually accept the Lord Jesus Christ into their lives. He says, I'll give you peace. And I don't know about yourself, but I look around the world today and I, and I don't know about you, but peace is very much at a premium today. Have you noticed that? Have you ever turned on the news? I, I'm a great believer in news, but I tell you what, Every time I see the news now, I feel like switching it off because everybody's at each other. You know, it's aggressive. It's, you know, personal attacks. You know, everything is angry. We live in an angry world, don't we? And, and, it, and it's awful to behold. It's ugly. It really is. And I, I, I praise God for peacemakers. I really do. Blessed are the peacemakers, the Bible says. But I tell you what, we can have no peace with, without Jesus because he himself is our peace. That, that hymn that we sang Oh, a hark the herald angel saying that hymn actually describes Jesus as the Prince of Peace We can have no peace outside of Christ Jesus. Yes, we can have truces, you know, between one nation or another, not to harm each other, to stop bombing each other, but I tell you what, that's not biblical peace biblical peace is to do with living in harmony with each other of actually loving each other of actually having a heart for each other of valuing each other and, and preferring one another and, and sacrificially giving to one another in love out, out of the love that Jesus poured into our life that's the peace that what I'm talking about and the world knows nothing about that kind of peace do you know I've spoken to many people who admit to living in a permanent life draining state of anxiety people in this church Overwhelmed by the demands of the job. Overwhelmed by the fact that they can't satisfy their employer. Overwhelmed by the fact that their family is hurting. Overwhelmed by the fact that the job is no longer secure. That anxiety seems to kind of grip them and, and take, the, take hold of them and squeezes out the joy of living. That fullness of life that Jesus wants us to enjoy. But I want to tell you when we can get the, the Prince of Peace into our life. We invite Him, who is our peace, into our life. Then I want to tell you, friends, our peace will be deeper than our circumstances. See, circumstances are fickle, aren't they? They change all the time. This week, I was really struck all week um, with, with vertigo. The room kept on spinning, etc. But you know, it didn't alter my peace. My peace is not based upon whether or not a room's spinning or whether or not I've got vertigo. No, what happened is that my peace is based upon who Jesus Christ is. He is the Prince of Peace. Peace, I leave you, said Jesus. My peace I give you. I give it not as the world. Do not let your heart be troubled, do not be afraid my peace, his peace, divine peace. Uh, uh, It's a peace that is is divine in its origin and awesome and mighty in its consequence and effect. It's a supernatural peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. This is divine peace. This is the same peace that Jesus had in his heart when he walked upon this earth. And he says, listen, that's the kind of peace that I wanna deposit into your life. That's the kind of peace that I wanna give you. That's the kind of peace that I want you to experience. And when you do, You can enjoy the fullness of life. You can enjoy the overflowing life. You can enjoy the love of Jesus. You can enjoy the plans and the purposes of God being worked out in your life on planet Earth. All these things stem from the fact that Jesus, our Savior, is the Prince of Peace. And I tell you what, friends, when we have inner peace with Jesus, guess what? We'll have horizontal peace with people. Thomas Merton, a very famous theologian, summed it up like this. Man is not at peace with his fellow man because he's not at peace with himself. He is not at peace with himself because he's not at peace with God. Our peace starts with God. Then we get that inner peace and then we'll find that we are at peace with others around us. That's the plan and purpose for God for our lives. Let's bow our heads. I wonder if the band can come up please. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I want to ask you if you would let the the rush and the stress of your life just fade away just for a second. And listen, hark, hark to what's being said this morning. Now those angels didn't actually sort of come and say try harder or be a better person. No, it simply said this, harken to the voice, listen to the voice and receive the gift of the Prince of Peace. Jesus, Jesus, came from heaven and walked on earth so that we can walk on earth in his power and then spend eternity in heaven. He became like us so we can become like him. Do you know this morning, we can have a new king born in our hearts. A good king, a loving king, a forgiving king, a king that will never leave us or forsake us. That king is Christ Jesus. And today, I want to give people an opportunity to respond to what's been said. Perhaps you've never known the Prince of Peace. Perhaps if you're honest, you've never asked Christ to forgive you of your sin and for him to come into your life. And the Prince of Peace has been out there. You've seen it in the lives of other people, but you've not experienced it for yourself. Perhaps there's people in this room this morning that once enjoyed the Prince of Peace in their life, but now you have this low grade, a persistent sense of anxiety in your life and it's robbing you of the peace that you once had. Do you know, I believe that the Prince of Peace is, has got his arms open and he's inviting both of you to come into his presence this morning, whether you want to know him for the first time or whether or not you want the, the, the Prince of Peace to come again into your life afresh. So I'm going to ask you just to say a simple prayer with me we can ask the whole church to say it to make it easy for those who are coming to the Prince of Peace for the first time as well as those people who are coming and asking the Prince of Peace to come afresh in their life and then I'm gonna ask you to do something very simple I'm gonna ask you to simply put your hand up I want you to keep it there because we have a gift for you that will help you on your journey with the Prince of Peace so whilst your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed just say this after me church Lord Jesus Thank you for coming to earth for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for being my Prince of Peace. And now Lord Jesus, become the leader of my life. And with your help and power I will follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Just with your head bowed, your eyes closed. This is a, a holy moment. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or by way of recommitment, I want to ask you to do something very simple. Just simply slip your hand up and say, Andrew. I really need the Prince of Peace in my life. I really need him to do life with me this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else, what about this center block? Is there anyone in the center block? I wanna tell you my hands up, I I need the Prince of Peace. What about the block on my left, thank you. Father, this morning we just want to thank you for those people that were brave and courageous enough, Lord God, to raise their hand. I thank you, Lord God, that you want to do life with them. I thank you, Lord God, that you want to come into their life and make a difference. I thank you for the purpose that you're going to put in them. I thank you for the value that you bestow upon them i thank you lord god that your favor is going to rest upon them day after day after day that lord god that you will never leave them or forsake them That now lord god that you're going to do life and they're going to experience life to the full as they yield and surrender to you lord we ask these things now in the precious name of jesus amen amen